This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. different options through my head of, uh, or scenarios of what I could do. What I thought was going to be best was to put, help push Martin out past the 77 and then get to his left side and side draft him by, which is you know kind of exactly how it played out. Larson's trying to split him. He's in between the two Toyotas. He bounces off Martin Truex Jr. Kyle Larson with a blinding restart. Coming to the line with Truex chasing will win his third time in a row here in Michigan. We will scan all Michigan today on NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Hi, everybody. Carol Lomano all alone here at our NBCSN studios in Connecticut. But at NBC Charlotte, we have a full house. Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, Steve Letarte joining us today. Gentlemen, everybody have enough elbow room there in Charlotte? We're not going to see any fighting, are we? I don't understand how you get the big desk and we get the little desk. I don't understand that, Carolyn. That's not obvious by now. That is not obvious by now. All okay, right. it's obvious. It's all obvious. Right. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, Kyle Larson showing us Sunday at Michigan. Restarts can make all the difference. So here are some of the most memorable restarts from so far this year. Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern just had a conversation on the radio, and they said, oh boy, the 42 is now behind us. All furniture row, front row, watch for that target car of Kyle Larson. Ready, ready, green flag, green flag. Larson's trying to split him. He's in between the two Toyotas. He bounces off Martin Truex Jr. right in front of Matt Kenseth, and he's on the low line. Kyle Larson with a blinding restart. That restart was everything. Kyle, how did you do that? I have no idea. What do you want to see out of Casey here on this restart? Just uh, whatever it takes. Sure, tires are good and ready here. Come to the green, bud. You got it. Green flag back in the air. Overtime. Great restart for the five of Casey Kane. Can he hold it on the bottom of the track? Keep coming. Keep coming. Clear. 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 Kane gets by him on a great restart. Not a good restart. A great restart. I got to ask you about that final restart. How did you pull off the pass on Brad Keselowski? Uh, the one before, it didn't work. Everything went wrong. Final one, everything went right. You guys stay out, but some of those other fast cars come in and get fresh tires. How confident are you in your decision now? Uh, it's, you know, damn it if you do, damn it if you don't. All right, good start, start on. No order to restart, on it. Get a good start. We're in overtime. Green flag back in the air. Great job by Truex. He came with speed. He did not get too slow. That helped him not spend those rear tires. Clear, 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 clear. I got to know. When everyone else did it, were you thinking, I'm done? Thought we were dead. <laughs> Priest powering by on the high side. He's going to take the lead outright. Yellow is out. Ryan Priest is in the gas. A little bit of a nudge from Ryan Scott. The 19 car spins. Caution is out. And Ryan Priest came on the radio set. Now, this is more my game. You just wait and see. Maybe one last time. They've got to get to the overtime line. Ryan Priest fires off the 20, trying to win at Iowa. Wow. Ryan Priest fired off perfect. Thought this race would never end. 
So restarts the subject of today's NASCAR America poll question. Go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. You can make your pick for the most memorable restart of 2017. And once again, your choices here. Kyle Larson last Sunday at Michigan. Casey Kane at the Brickyard 400. Martin Truex Jr. at Kentucky. And from the Xfinity Series, Ryan Priest at Iowa last month. We're going to have the final results later on in the show. So grab your computer and make sure you vote. In the meantime, Steve, how Kyle Larson won this race this past weekend is well documented by this point but let's have you break down the 42's race leading up to that point yeah carolyn while that last restart was very impressive and without a doubt the, the moment that the 42 actually won that race i think it started way earlier in the race yeah. so about the 75 percent mark we had a lot of leaders on the racetrack running under green and it was pretty stretched out well seven the 78 of martin Truex jr who at this point looked like he had the race in control guys he comes to pit road for four tires as we expected every you know he needed to do but he drew the two of Brad Keselowski with him, but not the 42. On top of the pit box, the crew, the engineering staff decided to leave the 42 on the racetrack, stuck with their guns, stuck with their strategy, and it ended up paying off as the 22 came to pit road and created the next to last yellows you see the debris on the backstretch. That was an important point because that is what the 42 needed. So the decision to pit was pretty easy for fuel. But I think the tough decision was how many tires that Chad Johnson and his 42 decided to put on. You see right here, everybody comes to pit road. Chad Johnson, though, very gutsy move. DJ, he puts four tires on. I think that made a big difference. Yeah, there's no doubt. In a driver's mind, if you're getting down to the end and you need to go, four tires is always going to be a better option. And we knew he wouldn't be the first car off pit road, and it showed. So on the next to last restart, here's Kyle Larson in the eighth position, back on the fourth row. But Kyle, he makes quick work of the cars in front of him. Yeah, quick work. I mean, and, and good cars. Uh, Kyle Busch, uh, Trevor Bain, and then he draws his bead on the 24 car of Chase Elliott. And this pass right here was really I think the pass of the day because you look one fender ahead of Chase Elliott and boom the final caution comes out that is the moment that he took over the fourth position that put him on the second row that didn't guarantee him a win but that guaranteed him a shot at the win yeah. now this young man got yeah. and I what did he tell us the restart of his life yeah. to win from the second row but I think it's important for the fans to understand how much work went from the three-quarter mark to the race yes. to even give yourself an opportunity at that win yeah, everything, you know, we we see one incidence on the racetrack. We see it every week. And you go back and you say, that's the moment. That's right. No, the moment didn't start there. The moment started 50 laps before. The moment started 100 laps before. And even as you break down that last restart, you know, Kyle talked to us after the race. He said, yes, he pushed the 78 uh, of Martin Truex and got to the inside. And he said he looked in the mirror. And he saw Matt Kenseth. So he sees Matt Kenseth making a move on the inside of the 77. That's how wide his field of vision was. And he knew that Eric Jones was going to have to defend that, which opened up the center lane. So everything has to work perfect. Well, and I think that yeah. pass to the 24, DJ, the reason that was a focal point for me is because a lot of fans, when your driver's in fifth or fourth with a couple yeah. to go, it's easy to lose faith. Even as a driver, even as a crew chief, you kind of, well, today's just not the day. But he continued to grind, continued to fight that 24 for that spot. Yes. He's in the yeah. playoffs. That wasn't a transfer yeah. spot. Yeah. But that ended up being, in my mind, the move of the race to give him a chance to win. Well, it just gave him options. You know, if you're restarting on the end,
inside, then you're at the mercy of, of the driver that's in front of you there as to what he does as far as allowing you to go to the bottom. Probably not going to get to the middle. He can block you a lot better there. You have much, many more options in that outside lane, and we saw him utilize that. If Truex comes down to block him, then he's going to the outside. So whatever remind him of, you'll appreciate this. You, you look at Tom Brady <laughs> and a two-minute warning type deal, and the last two minutes of a ball game, the most recent Super Bowl, and he gets the job done. All he's looking is for that last opportunity to make things happen, and that's all that Kyle Larson was looking for, too. I'm going to tell you another thing that gave him an opportunity was Chip Ganassi saying, I'm thinking three wide down there. What are you <laughs> yeah. thinking? When yeah. your owner says, just bring yeah. back the steering wheel or a trophy, yeah. that's opportunity. <laughs> Carolyn, it's easy to lose faith because in that said Super Bowl, I may or may not have been at the souvenir stand with my son until we decided to run back and see the finish. How are we always talking about the New England Patriots? It just <laughs> Everyone <laughs> likes a winner, Carolyn. Everyone likes a winner. <laughs> All right, so the win meant a lot when we look at the bigger picture. I want to play for you what Larson's crew chief, Chad Johnson, said about what this whole thing means moving forward for Larson and the 42 crew the first start of the race was probably the worst restart he's had all year but I definitely would say that the one at the end was probably the best one he's had so you know when it all counted and the cards were on the table we were able to execute and come out of here with a finish better than what the car was was capable of running and you're going to win championships that way so you know it was a, a line in the sand and we'll we'll start over again and go into bristol which is going to be a really good track for us and and just start executing races before the last 10 start so dj he's echoing what kyle larson said right after the race which is essentially was that this one meant the most because he had to do more with less but you heard chad mention the term championship is the 42 team right now a legitimate championship contender with what they have shown us so far yeah, I think so, definitely. And even though Chad might have seemed a little subdued there, he was still getting over the shaking that Chip Ganassi <laughs> put on him as they won and yeah. got the checkered flag. But, yeah, Carolyn, this is, I said this Sunday, this is what championship-caliber team drivers are made of. When you win with not the best car, then that's a very dangerous combination for everybody around you to look at. They understand you, you're not going to have the best car every weekend, although Martin Truex seems like he does a lot. But you're not going to have that. When you can have a driver that's capable of getting you a victory you get in the playoffs and a win like that moves you yeah. into the next round there's nothing more valuable than that so this is a very dangerous driver and team when you look at those playoffs coming up well, I, 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 I want to go back to his to his restart and it was funny because i had him he was on a radio show i was on last night and i said he started talking he said Really, it was closer to three when I got in, but I said 245 because it sounds better than three. And he said, <laughs> I just wasn't aggressive enough at the beginning of the race. He yeah. said, I had come from Knoxville. I was in the car. They start, you've got to be aggressive on every restart, and I wasn't. He said he and, and Jamie got caught in the middle, and the next thing they know, they went from eighth or ninth to 16th or 17th. He did say, worst restart ever. Well, the biggest accolades I know to give a driver is to, rem when I explain that this move reminds me of other championship drivers. Yeah. What we saw Kyle Larson do at the end of that race, really what we just showed the last 40 or 50 laps, was what reminds me when we see Jimmy Johnson yes. always around when it matters. Jeff Gordon, always around when it mattered. Dale Jarrett, always around when it mattered. You know, yeah. the people that you want to emulate, Tony Stewart, you know, the people you want to match that, that have the trophies and have the championships, Kyle Larson drove like that on this final restart. So there are good drivers, there are better than average drivers, and then there are big moment drivers. Yeah. Yeah. And big moment drivers wins the biggest trophies, and that moment from Kyle Larson, that was a sign of a big moment driver.
Hold on a second. So what I'm hearing is you've got a young driver who's won three times on the same track and has not won on anything other than a two-mile track, Kyle. But you guys are really putting that team with the likes of, of Jimmy Johnson and some of the surefire championship contenders this season? Okay, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to put him. Okay, is he a championship-caliber team? Yes, and I think Sunday proved they're a championship-caliber team for everything that Dale Jarrett said. They took an eighth or ninth-place car and won a race with it. That is a huge deal in any type of racing, but that is a huge deal at this level because they didn't give up, they kept making adjustments, and the driver kept getting up on the wheel and making something happen. Now, just as Dale said a minute ago, they're not there week in and week out like Martin Truex is. That is the top of the heap. Well, that's got to go to the top of the ladder. And you've got to throw Kyle Busch in there. They've been running pretty good. There's a couple of guys that are right at that level. And then there's Kyle Larson. But then there's a huge fall off. Yeah. There is a huge fall off to the rest of the guys up into there. Where is Kevin Harvick? Where is Matt Kenseth? Where is Joey Logano and Brad Kay? Where are they week in and week out? They're not where Kyle Larson is. He's way above those guys right now. So you have to say that they are championship caliber and a championship contender. Well, they're championship caliber. Uh, they are championship favorites. We're maybe not really yeah. able to label that to the Kyle Larson yeah. the 42 yet. But a win at Richmond, win at Chicago, yeah. win at a different size racetrack, and then his name starts moving to yes, the favorite category. Yeah, I'll have to have somebody make a good argument to me that there are four other better drivers and teams right now. Yeah. They're very capable ones out there. But but I would certainly, if you looked at and things, uh, you said, okay, on equal terms, everybody goes and runs the best races they can run through there. Kyle Larson's going to be part of the championship. Well, and, you know, Miami, yeah. it doesn't race like a mile and a half. It yeah. almost raced like a two-mile. Yeah, it should right have won the against, last couple yeah. of races there. Right. Yeah. So you got to remember, Carolyn, it all comes down to Miami. And that racetrack, you run right against the fence. So if he can make it to the final round – he perhaps then could be my favorite. That's a great point. All right, we're off to a good start. A lot of ground to cover over the next hour, though. It's our Tuesday tradition, the best radio bites in Scandal, Michigan, on the way for you, including Chad Canals telling a seven-time champion how to drive. Two of the final three regular season races are going to be on short tracks. Which bubble driver does that favor? Who is really going to be in danger of missing the cutoff? And we're joined by Pete Pistoni from Sirius XM, who tells us how long he thinks the NASCAR weekend should be. All that and more coming up next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. Welcome back, everybody. Fans are nearly guaranteed to get their money's worth this weekend. NASCAR heading to Thunder Valley Friday night. The Xfinity Series at 730 Eastern. Then on Saturday, the Bristol Night Race in Cup. That's at 7 Eastern over on NBC. And as wild as Bristol can be, the playoff standings could be in for a real shakeup here. So three regular season races to go. Matt Kenseth holding the final playoff spot by 31 points over Clint Boyer. And behind him, it is win or bust for Joey Logano. He's 98 points out. Steve, when you look at this, what do you see? Well, I think you labeled it. There's four drivers for three spots if it comes down to points. And when you look at Bristol on the horizon, probably the toughest racetrack on the yeah. circuit to points race other than maybe Talladega. The question is, when you look at Elliott, McMurray, Kenseth, and Boyer, who can deliver when it just comes to points? Yeah, that, that's the key. And the thing is, is 
thing. Bristol, you can end up with a really, really bad race, you know? At, with a really good yeah. car. With yes. a good car, yes. yeah. Yes. And so someone there all of a sudden loses a ton of points. But you're right. It's those four drivers for those three spots as of right now. But you, you think about short track racing, and we have two of the three that are that. And, you you know, names that come to mind are Matt Kenseth, who's outstanding, and Logano, yeah. who won at Richmond earlier, although it doesn't count towards yeah, this. Yeah, so true. Maybe he'll yeah. get one that does count. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll get the next Richmond, and it really will count. But but uh, Richmond, I don't know how you points race at Richmond uh, or, or at, at Bristol, yeah. honestly. And, and let's go back to Michigan. It, Matt Kenseth said, here's a gift. I'm going to run third here on the last three, next to last three start, but I'm going to have a flat tire or something's going to happen, and I'm yeah. going to end up 26. Here's a gift. You can do that at Bristol. You can run in the top five all stinking day long and have something happen in the last eight or ten laps of the race, and it's like, here's all those points back that I just got. It is an incredibly hard place. This guy that we're seeing on the screen is as good as it comes when it comes to point racing and understanding what he has to do to maximize a day. So the question is, will it be points racing? You know, because we talk about will there be winners in the variety of racetracks. We've gone all summer, but now we're done with Pocono. We're done with Indy. We're done with the road course. We're done with Michigan. Now we have Bristol, a track that in my mind, a driver, really Bristol and Richmond, that I think I love to see at the end of the regular season because it's not horsepower. It's not aerodynamics. So the car still has to drive good, but I've always thought that as a driver, DJ, Kyle, you guys have the opportunity to showcase your talent. You want in the playoffs? Go get it. Okay, but let me let me ask you a question back at you. It, it is, yes, a driver can make a difference. It's an equalizer. We talk about the short tracks. Dale and I talk about the short tracks being the equalizer. We're not talking about this massive speed. We're not talking right. just get it done when you get to these short tracks. But the question is, from, from the perspective, I'm going to get up on the wheel and I'm going to do more, but how much can you really gamble to give me and help me? Not like a Michigan where it's two tires or four, not like a gas and go, not like those are out of play a lot of times when you get down to the short track. So it does come back on the driver in a lot of ways. And it does come back on what you do leading up to that race and what adjustments you have. And as the racetrack changes, what the driver does. Yeah, the only, here's what I'm going to say about points racing at Bristol. The last 20 laps, if you don't have a car capable of winning, then yes, you pick yeah. out a spot, you get yourself in a position, and you try to hold on to that the, the very best that you can. The only other scenario would be for a Matt Kenseth would be if uh, Clint Boyer goes there and he gets knocked out early in this race, yes. then Kenseth has to say, all I need to do is finish this race. Yeah. And then he's not going to catch me in these last two, probably, if I do my job, anything at all. That's the only way you look at points. Otherwise, you just got to go like hell for 500 yeah, laps right. and yeah. get the most you yeah. can. Yeah. But there is one name that keeps in the back of my mind coming up, and it showed in Michigan, and that's Eric Jones in the 77. Yes. We've yeah. talked yeah. so much of the sure. 78. But that 77 had a great car. He even said that he thought if he could have gotten in front of the 78, yes. he perhaps could have won that race. Yeah. So you think about his background, yeah. short track racing. So if he's starting to figure out the big tracks, can that spill over? Bristol, maybe unique. Yeah. Not a lot of guys run a half mile quite yeah. like that. But Richmond is the ultimate short track. Yeah. Conserve rear tires. The front tires have to work. If Eric Jones can go to victory lane, we're talking about multiple veterans on the outside. But that's... We can sit here and run our mouth about that point system and about that the, those guys and how they line up from Chase all the way back to, to Clint Boyer, all, you, all we want to. And then you throw in 
Eric Jones. You throw in Joey Logano goes to Richmond and win. You throw in one of those guys that we haven't talked about, that yeah. we're not even paying attention mm -hmm. to. And it can happen at Bristol. And it can happen at Richmond. And it can happen at Darlington. We've seen these three races that are coming up are one of those are those places that somebody can absolutely slide in there and, and just totally change everything that we well, say. And then you mentioned Darlington. Yeah. I've learned a long time ago not to put any sort yeah. of label on that odd shape, <laughs> crazy grip, high line racetrack in South Carolina. There's something about it that every time you go there, assuming it's going to be anything, yeah. it's anything but. So I'm not sure uh, Bristol might not be the toughest. To, I want you to go run 500 miles, about a foot off the wall, DJ, but don't hit it because we're yeah, racing yeah. for points. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and you talk about the, uh, an Eric Jones who I think after 23 races, normally I would tell you that if you haven't figured out how to win now, it's going to be tough to do it yeah. in three races when you have to do that to right. get in the playoffs. But with a rookie like Eric Jones, I think you can count him in. The way that he's been progressing and doing things a lot better. Plus, I've, my memory serves me correct, that's the first place that Furniture Road got a win at Darlington yeah. uh, with Regan Smith yes. behind the wheel. So, a lot of things can happen. Uh, we, you're talking about three very, very difficult racetracks that, that someone could jump up and take advantage of a situation and an opportunity like that. Staying out of trouble and giving yourself a chance at Darlington would be a great way to, to go get a win. Will the 22 and Joey Logano get over the Richmond hangover is the question I want answered. Mm, because yeah. since that Richmond race in the spring, the 22, in my mind, hasn't shown speed, hasn't executed. We've seen more mistakes, wrecks, bad luck, flat tires. When yeah. are we going to see or are we going to see the 22 breakout? I, you know, Good question. Front row I, I don't Michigan. Know. We yeah, thought that was going to be the week. Yeah. yeah, I think they thought it was too. I, I think the Ford team and, and Penske thought it was too. But I, I think Joey's post-race interview at Michigan said a lot. That's the first time he's not been Joey Logano. I'm happy. I'm smiling. We're moving on to the next race. We're going to get it done. It was we're in a hole. You know, he, he's admitted we're in a hole. And once you admit that, it's a different mindset. It's, it, there's that air of, oh, my gosh, we got to make something happen. I, I, storybook, the way NASCAR does stuff, yeah, he goes to Richmond, he wins the race, he gets in, that's the end of the conversation, <laughs> and we don't even pay attention to the first one. And it's a great story and a great storyline going into the playoffs. But they've just not had the speed. And without the speed... They've sacrificed handling because they're trying double hard to make something happen. Yeah, and they're not only sacrificed with the handling side of it, but they've also tried so many different strategies, especially yeah. Watkins, Lynn, and oh, Michigan, yeah. and it's just so tough. Normally, when you have a fast race car, that makes a lot more sense, and, and you can, can work on that and make it happen, but when your car isn't handling it, it really uh, limits your options. You might try it, but you're not usually going to get much from it. Well, one thing, Carolyn, if we leave Richmond and Joey Logano is not in the playoff picture, then all of us and everyone out there who doesn't like this penalty and this encumbered finish and the complication of it, well, they've got real teeth if it yeah. eliminates the 22 from the playoff picture for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And DJ mentioned uh, Clint Boyer just a couple minutes ago as well. He's one of the drivers that we're going to hear from when we come back. He reacts to a pair of speeding penalties. Also, which member of the 18 team took blame for a mishap on pit road? We've got answers coming up next in Scan All Michigan. Don't go away. Just a reminder, the Verizon IndyCar Series is right here on NBCSN with four races left. IndyCar's best facing those three tough turns and that big challenge at the Tricky Triangle. Pocono IndyCar 500 is Sunday at 2.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Chip Ganassi could earn titles this year in both IndyCar and NASCAR. On Sunday at Michigan, 
Safe to say he was pretty ecstatic after his driver Kyle Larson roared to victory in overtime. When he got to Larson after this moment, he gave him a big hug and a little something extra. This is uh, uh, Chip Ganassi getting in there. Just clocked me in the head right. there. So Ganassi's reaction to the win uh, maybe a little extreme, but so is the move that his driver made to win for the third straight time at Michigan. Let's hear from Larson, Ganassi, and also his crew chief, Chad Johnson, as they give us a look inside the race with Scannell, Michigan. Race number 23 on the regular season for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. All Team Penske up front. Have fun out there, Brad. Good luck. Yes, sir. Appreciate all the hard work, and uh, thank you for a super fast car to be on the pole of my whole track. Kyle Larson, can he get the W right here today in Michigan and make it three wins in succession? Larson, this is Ganassi. You copy the radio? Gotcha, All right, don't move back. It is looking for the cushion of the lap one, okay? Do not do that. All right. All right, let's have a good one, huh? Thank you for this weekend. And at NASCAR's fastest track, it's time to bring the action! To start the race, I was a little bit concerned. You know, we uh, started ninth and fell back to 16th. Dropped anchor on the start. I got probably the worst start of my life. Really good. That was just the worst start of my career. Tempo, bud. We got a long ways to go. You got plenty of time to make up for it. Kyle Busch, he is going side by side with Matt Chase. Pretty early to get side sucked around by a teammate, but okay. You all right, buddy? Run the bottom, Timmy. Just had one bad turn, man. Yeah, I don't really care. We just gotta try to go faster. I'm really trying, I promise you. Saw Kyle with his hand out the window. I don't know if he was angry or. I'm gonna put his hand back in the car. Right. He about drove through it, but he passed as I was waving it up. Brad Keselowski off turn number four to score his fourth stage win of the year. Too fast, section one and 18. Bush came down pit road when pit road was closed. It's all closed, right? They were. It's my fault. I swear, man. I have never seen so many different ways to do it, but that's a new one. That's my fault. Sorry. I heard the NASCAR radio and it was scrambled, but they said it was open. 100% on me. Yeah, I start out a couple out too tight and then I'm too loose. Uh, 1.2 down. The car really didn't cooperate with us. It seemed like traffic affected our car more than what it has in the past. Yeah, every time I move up to three and four, I'm, I'm too loose. And four doesn't get any better as you run. Pulling it for uh, our car didn't handle great, especially in dirty air. Um, for some reason, I was I was really bad, way worse than I've been all season long. Terrible. Whoa! Look at that. He's all mad at me. I mean, I wasn't even trying to crowd him. He just got to my right side and I got tight. Stage two goes to Martin Truex Jr. And for the 15th time this season, stage winner is MTJ. God bless America. Speeding again. You gotta be kidding me. Wish we would have gotten that rundown pit road yesterday. Damn, I wasn't even close. One like that time. The same spot again this time. Both times are entering. Blaney to the bottom of the racetrack. Kevin Harvick up high. A little smoke off the Blaney card. Pit. Got a pit. Got a pit. Right side tires and damage. Yeah, 21 cut a tire there. Camera touched 21 and I know of. Yeah, I don't think he did either. The left side of the four car looks clean to me. Have they made contact? So I don't know if he hit it before that or we hit a bump down there, but I honestly don't think he hit our right front where it started smoking. They don't start smoking without getting hit, bud. Not talking about it. Let's get back to racing here. Double turn two, Casey Kane hard into the wall. Bounces off and takes Daniel Suarez with him. Good job, good job. We just got wrecked here. We're in it, guys. Hold the brake here. You all right? Yeah, fine. 
sure what happened there. So I don't know if I cleared him too quick, but he was trying to get back in line and just hit our ass. Lap 164, it's Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Kyle Larson, and they will have to come in and make stops in these final 36 laps. I don't want to give up track position. There's uh, 25 cars on the lead lap. Okay. Halfway through the race, we're just kind of scratching and clawing and, and decided to change the strategy up a little bit, put ourselves in a position to maybe run one of the stints longer than everybody else and catch a caution, and we were fortunate enough to, to catch the caution. We just stayed, stayed positive, kept working hard, and grabbed that caution at the right time late in the race, and then pit for four tires. Finally get to line up in the top lane and start eighth. Get the green, it's gonna be nine laps to go. You're the best on tires out of anybody in front of you. Truex gets a great restart, but it's heating up now for the number four spot. Kyle Larson is on the move. Oh, trouble turn two! Mike McDowell gets put by Paul Menard! He just wrecked us, we're spinning off too. Joke right there. That's bullcrap. We did that intentionally. So we are going into overtime. We think Slick take a three wide on the outside and one. We're running a few options through my head right now. Perfect. Well, we're getting ready to find out who can make it happen. Pace car is off, ready to go. Watch for that target car of Kyle Larson. Well, it all depends on timing. What I thought was going to be best was to put, help push Martin out past the 77 and side draft him by, which has kind of played out perfectly and, and um, got me to the lead. Larson with a blinding restart. Larson to the bottom. He's got the lead off the top of turn number two. He's fun to watch. You put him in that position with uh, fresher tires to where he can be on the offense, and it makes you know our jobs on the pit box a lot easier knowing that he's going to be able to gain spots the majority of the times if you put him in the position to do so. Oh, my God! Give me one more set of corners, buddy, then you can celebrate all you want, but... This will be three in a row for Kyle Larson, and it all came from a restart. He crosses the line and wins the Pure Michigan 400. Yeah, good job, guys. That was awesome, buddy. I'm so proud of you. Just proves, man. You don't have to have the best car. You just got to stick with it. So we'll just do that the next 13 races, buddy. Check it flag here. Couldn't be happier. This track is an invitation. Sorry, we messed up earlier, and it's my fault. I won't let you down again. I would have to say that certainly he's the best I've seen come along in a while, I, to, to put it quite simply. You know, I've been so lucky over the years to have great drivers in our cars, um, and when a special guy like this comes along, it, it doesn't happen every day, and, and um, he's just a, a racer, and uh, I think that's it's very genuine. He's a very genuine person, and uh, that's refreshing in today's world. So we've heard from the teams, and we're going to be joined by Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio in just a bit to get his thoughts on what happened over the weekend. But coming up next, more Darlington throwbacks, breaking cover as the Southern 500 draws closer. We'll have the latest looks in our social pit stop. Keep it here for that. NASCAR America is brought to you by E3 Spark Plugs, delivering more performance on the track and on your daily commute. What are you running? Awesome 
NBC pit crew all-star nominee Shane Wilson and the 42 team gave Kyle Larson four tires on that final stop at lap 188. Larson, of course, going on to win in overtime, but his restart was not the only thing that he talked about in the post-race press conference. Here is what young, one young, intrepid reporter asked him. Hello, I'm Titus Smith with Scholastic News Club, and I was wondering, how many push-ups can you do? <laughs> uh, 40 or 50? I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I could do about 40 or 50 in a row. I don't know if that's good or bad or what, but Danica could probably do more, so it's probably not very good. <laughs> I'd agree with that assessment. Danica leading off our social pit stop filled with new Darlington throwbacks. So on Monday, Stuart Haas Racing revealing her throwback that honors champion team owner and engine builder Robert Yates. DJ, you recognize this ride? Oh, yes. Yep, great red, white, and blue uh, Ford credit on there. So nice to see uh, Ford honoring, uh, along with Danica, uh, Robert Yates and his induction into the Hall of Fame uh, in 2018. So uh, a lot of good memories with that race car and that paint scheme. Big shoes to fill, DJ, because that thing was fast. Yeah, it was. I was going to say, DJ's a humble man. He took that one to the 99 Cup Series Championship. DJ earned 29 of Robert Yates Racing's 57 wins at NASCAR's highest level. All right, earlier today, uh, Hendrick Motorsports rolling out its Starlington throwback for seven-time Cup Series champ Jimmy Johnson. This car, Steve, drawing from the history of longtime sponsor Lowe's. Your thoughts? It, well, it's always great when you have a sponsor that's been with the driver for so long that they honor that sponsor, but... I've had a lot of cars that were described as trucks, so I'm not sure I would paint my car after a truck, but uh, we'll see. Maybe Jimmy and Chad could have a little more success with it. All right. How about this? Not to be outdone. Uh, here's Denny Hamlin's um, paying tribute to some short track routes here, Kyle. This is pretty cool. The Flying 11 scheme. Yeah, this looks cool. I, I'm sorry I had to wipe my mouth a little bit. I got a little sick at that last one looking at it. That, <laughs> that 48, I, just threw up a little bit in my mouth. But this is really good right here. This is throwback. This is what it's all about right here. Uh, Ray Hendrick running that modified car. He was a Terra uh, on the Virginia short tracks. <laughs> yeah, that one's looking really cool. You know, Ray Hendrick's fame, of course, in the Modifieds. He did make one cup start at Bristol back in 1962, and the last great Coliseum, home to the world's fastest half-mile track. So here now we want to show you a reminder of some of the chaos and the celebration that we've seen there to the words of Corvette Jackson's Tennessee. Tennessee comes calling I can feel it in my bones. Good evening, race fans. This is A fitting soundtrack there for a race that always delivers, and it's not that far away. Coming up next, a man that always delivers, Sirius XM's Pistol Pete, firing away on the biggest takeaways from Michigan, and if the latest changes to NASCAR's weekends are here for the long term. The Law Thoughts next.
Well, you may know about this already, but NBC Sports and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio have joined up to bring you the very latest NASCAR news. Expert opinions every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Our NASCAR and NBC personalities join Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni on the morning drive. And you can find it on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. That's channel 90. And Pete is with us now. Pete, let's start with Michigan. What was your biggest takeaway from this race? No, my biggest takeaway is I think Chip Ganassi is going to let Kyle Larson run a sprint car anytime he wants to <laughs> after what he did on Saturday night at the Na Knoxville Nationals and the comeback and put on that move at the end of the race. Uh, guys, we're going to see that daring move in overtime by Kyle Larson on highlight reels, I think, for years to come. The way he got around the furniture row racing drivers and started to celebrate in the car because he made that move before they even took the checkered flag. I didn't think it was the greatest race, I'll be honest with you, but certainly the end, that's, I think, going to save that race, and that'll be one of the more fantastic finishes we're going to have to talk about for a lot of years to come, I think. Yeah, evidenced by the fact that Chip Ganassi couldn't contain himself when it was all said and done. A big excitement <laughs> from him. There is a poll question up on the XM NASCAR Twitter page right now about how long NASCAR's race schedule should be in 2018. We've seen qualifying go in a bunch of different directions. The weekend has been shortened down at times. Where do you stand on this issue, Pete? Well, I, listen, guys, I like the shortened weekend. I do. And I, and I think that we can tweak it a little bit more. We've done it two times now, Pocono and Watkins Glen. We're going to do it again at Martinsville. I'm not 100% sure I like the qualifying in the morning and then racing in the afternoon, but I'm 100% sure that I like the fact that we're shortening up the weekend in terms of what happens on the racetrack, but as long as we've got something for the fans that want to be there on Friday. Those fan fests that happened at Pocono and Watkins Glen, it seems like those were the things that fans really liked and connected to. I'd be a fan for having some sort of a fan fest or something like that on a Friday, and then Saturday, let's get to the racetrack, let's have cup practice, Let's have cup qualifying. Let's have our companion race. And let's go back old school, like when Kyle Petty was racing and you had happy hour for the cup cars to practice after the companion race. And then we race on Sunday for the main event. I, I really believe that that would be a win-win for everybody if that's the way NASCAR went next year. Yeah, and I, I agree with Pete. I'm 100% on bringing happy hour back after whatever uh, companion race that, that you run on Saturday. But I, I, this is my question. I really, I really enjoy the way they've been doing things. And if you listen to the drivers, listen, drivers are going to do, they're going to get in a car every time you say it's time to get in a car. They don't, they don't care if it's all packed into one day or, or half a day. It doesn't make any difference. The teams seem to be worried if something goes a little bit wrong, then it puts that team behind the eight ball. And, and you talk about tweaking a little bit. I came from an era when they just opened up the track. We practiced from 9 to 12. They broke for lunch. Then we practiced from 2 to 5. Then we went home. But we didn't have the truck series. We didn't have the Xfinity series. How do we pack 10 pounds into a five-pound bag and still run these two-day events? Well, that's a great question, Kyle. But I'm of the mind that in this day and age, do we really need as much practice as these teams have? You're right. Any second that these teams have to be on the racetrack, for the most part, they're going to take it. But think about this. How many times have we had rain-shortened weekends and we couldn't have a lot of practice? And it seems to me, and maybe it's just something that's in my mind and it doesn't really happen, but it seems like that makes for better racing. So I, I'd be okay with a little less practice. But you're right. You've got to have to jam a lot of stuff into a lot of short period of time. And you are also got to think about the fans. And here's the thing. To me, when we talked about this on the morning drive this morning, there are two kinds of fans, it seems like. The fans that get there early and want to stay the whole weekend and the fans that just want to see the race. 
I'm here in Chicago, right? I'm a big baseball fan. If I take the family to Wrigley Field, I don't usually get there for batting practice. I just want to get there when the game starts. There are fans that want to get there when the race starts, but there are also fans who want to come on Friday. They want to camp. They want to see everything they can on the racetrack. So the question is going to be, how do you balance all of that? What the fans want, what the industry want, what the drivers want, quite frankly, what the broadcast partners want on radio and TV. That's going to be, I think, the recipe that NASCAR is going to have to come up with. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm all for the fans. I'm, I'm all for the fans getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning and watching something on track all day long. I hate to see those fans have to sit up there for three hours waiting for that first practice or whatever. I'm going to throw something else at you here, and we're going back to uh, the Kyle Larson thing and try to bring it into this one. Kyle Larson, Knoxville Nationals, grassroots racing. That's all I keep hearing, grassroots racing, grassroots racing. We've got to get back. What? about taking the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series away from some of these weekends and having that as a one-day or two-day show in Iowa while we're in Pocono, a one- or two-day show in Orange County, at the old IRP at Indianapolis, wherever it may be, and taking our sport back to the grass food roots instead of making those fans come and set through three or four days at a cup track. Listen, Kyle, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I, I'm so on board with that. I mean, that's the you said the roots of the sport. That's the roots of that series. We went to those kinds of places. And unfortunately, the way the schedule sort of evolved, this also taps into the cup drivers in the Xfinity Series discussion that we've had so much. When they became more of a companion event instead of standalones, when they were standalones, all that took care of itself because a cup driver couldn't be in two places at once. And the fans came out. Now that you've got a companion race, you're going to have all these cup drivers in those races so it's sort of a double-edged sword i believe if the schedule could go back a little bit more in that direction kyle i think you're, you're spot on i think that would solve a lot of things i think the fan i hope and i would think the fans would embrace that i like the spitballing that's going on back and forth between you two will you both be available for consulting should nascar need you for 2018 well, you can afford me, but you can't afford Kyle's fee, I'm sure. I mean, come on. I'm there, man. I'm there. All right, Pete. Uh, thank you. By the way, Marty Snyder is going to be joining you uh, tomorrow at 9 a.m. And Slugger Labby will be filling in for the Bagman as well. So we look forward to hearing from all you guys. It's going to be fun tomorrow. Always fun to join you guys here on the show. And don't forget to cast your vote in our NASCAR America poll question for today. Which is the most memorable restart of the season? We reveal the final results when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Why do they have to put the lobster on your plate in the freaking eyeballs yeah, are right true. there? That's true. <laughs> Would you rather be stuck on an island with Kyle Petty or Rutledge Wood? Oh, man. That... <laughs> Andy. I think, I, I think I'm, I'm safer by myself. <laughs> To me, every time I have had a plan on a super speedway, it never works out. Do you so, believe them when they say we're going to do that? No. Do you think you should be fine more? Yes. <laughs> what would you like to see fine? Like, How would you like to I see think they fine? should get like a thousand points. And no <laughs> there we go. No <laughs> tires. I know you had a button on the dash that just puffed out white smoke or blew up your motor. Don't. <laughs> I know. Rhonda Moore wants to know, so you're given the NASCAR rulebook allowed to change, eliminate one rule. What do you pick? Ooh, um, the encumbered win. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so that is just
just a small sample of what you can expect from our NASCAR Hall of Fame shows. NASCAR's best drivers joining our NBC drivers for a candid conversation about their lives. Tomorrow, our guest is Ryan Newman. He's going to discuss his start in racing, his Rescue Ranch Foundation. One very big thing to keep in mind, the show is at 6 p.m. tomorrow. So make sure you're with us an hour later for that. It's always a lot of fun. All right, let's take one final look at our poll question. The most memorable restart of the season. What do you guys think here? It, Casey Kane had the edge. Now it's looking like Kyle Larson. Steve, we'll start with you. Who do you think deserves the win here? Well, I would have to give it to Casey. I think Kyle Larson may win because it's fresh yeah. in your mind from last yeah. weekend. Yeah. But Casey Kane's not only was one of the majors, I consider it, the yeah. Brickyard 400, one of the biggest events of the year, but also, to be honest, where this five-car had run, yeah. it was really his only shot of making the playoffs. Yes, and that race kind of fell in his hands. It came down to a restart, and he got it done. Yeah, I'll agree 100% with that. Except, no, we can't agree 100% on him. I agree <laughs> with that wholeheartedly. But here's the thing. The only reason that you look at Larson to me is because all the others came from a front row starting yeah. position on a restart. Larson was in the, in the second row, and that's tough to do, make that Good pass. Good My guy wasn't on there. Brad Kay, the restart before the – Casey oh, the one where he was beating Casey? The one where he was beating Casey Kane. That was <laughs> yeah. the restart because he had, at best, a top 10 or 15 car, and he was going to win the About biggest win. race, the second well, biggest race well, on the circuit. Well, and to be honest, mine wasn't on there either, Carolyn, because I was going to take Jimmy Johnson beating Kyle Larson at Dover because I'm thinking perhaps that's maybe why Kyle Larson won this weekend. You know, get beat once, you kind of learn. I'm going to say the best restart is going to be us leaving the parking lot when this thing goes off the air. <laughs> that's going to be the best restart. <laughs> Before that happens, let's finalize the poll. Casey Kane. Casey Kane yeah, gets sweet. the win. To be honest with you, for my money, I would have taken Priest. I thought that story in the Xfinity Series was phenomenal. All the eggs in, in two races, and he ended up getting it done. But Casey Kane, a great story as well. That's a fair yeah, there's choice. There's no way she's going to agree with us yeah, anyway, guys. We know that. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Never. Uh, fair. All right. Um, uh, just another piece of news for you before you let you go. Ten Monster Energy Series teams have begun a two-day test session at Chicagoland Speedway, uh, which hosts the playoff opener, of course, on September 17th. It's worth noting, though, that Furniture Row Racing not scheduled for this test. So their driver, Martin Jokes Jr., of course, leads the points. He also won at Chicagoland last year. That's a look at who is testing. Uh, let's go back to Bristol, though, Steve, and get your final thoughts on what we can expect, because I know we probably won't see you until the weekend here on NASCAR America. What are you thinking about as we head into this huge weekend? Well, Bristol is unlike any other track, and yeah. it starts on Friday morning when the trailers pull in. There's no garage. Everything is complicated. Everything is loud. You're in the heat all day long. Both practices are back-to-back. Then it's qualifying. Everything is tougher at Bristol. Even communication in practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, normally you can yeah. stick your head in and have a conversation at Bristol. You end up <laughs> yeah. yelling at each other on <laughs> like the radio. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it truly is the, the last great Coliseum because it's chaos from the minute the weekend starts. Yeah, especially if we have that bottom groove in uh, like we saw there in the spring. This is going to be a wild race. Yeah, it's wild. That's the only way to describe Bristol. Well, Everything I, is wild. I watched yesterday's show. So, Carolyn, we got you a ticket. Burton said you were coming on yesterday's <laughs> show. So, I want to let you know that I got you a ticket for both Friday and Saturday yes. night. Thank you very much. I'll be there. Uh, by the way, we are going to see you tomorrow because you'll be on our Hall of Fame show. I forgot. So, you'll be talking to Ryan Newman then, and then you'll talk about Bristol over the weekend. That show tomorrow is at 6 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're with us for that. Those have been special so far this year. We'll see you at 6. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. 
Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.